The nail in the coffin! It's a feel-good Saturday morning edition of The Nail. I'm Tom. He's Travis. Trav, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, my man. How are you? I cannot complain. Big weekend ahead. We got uh, uh, we got dance lessons. We got a kid's birthday party today. Going to the Tribe game tonight. We're doing uh, Cassidy's birthday tomorrow. So uh, oh, all sorts jam-packed. of things happening at, at Stately Valentino Manor here. I see that. I see that. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those days that finally feels like fall outside. It's nice. It's like, it does. It's like a crisp it, we, 60 degrees right now. It's perfect. We we're going to be at full-on hoodie season going I to the track game. I love it. <clears throat> yeah, no complaints here either. Um, speaking of things I have no complaints about, uh, the Cleveland Browns. Let's uh, let's talk about it, man. What a night on Thursday. Yeah, we've done a pretty good job over the last couple of years just not really focusing too much on the misery. But I will say this. I've watched every Browns game probably over the last couple of years, and – I've been way more into it this year than I have in years past, and Thursday night was one of the most fun times I can ever recall, and I was just sitting on the couch watching it by myself. <laughs> I, uh, You know what? I, I've, I've kind of had a recurring theme over the last couple episodes that we've talked Browns on here that I've had that renewed sense of optimism, and I'm actually into it, and I'm more into it this year than I have been in a long time, um, a lot like you, and it was just so nice on Thursday to have that rewarded, you know, I mean, the first two games, I mean, even though you didn't get the result you wanted, they were exciting. They were, they were entertaining. Um, but you know, you, you don't, you, you walk away from it disappointed, but, uh, yeah. And they were the way this game. Mo- most importantly, I think they were, they've been the first two games. They were competitive with teams that his, like historically and over the last several years in recent history have been much better than you. Right, and I think that was probably the biggest thing we wanted to see. I, yeah, we would have loved to win them, and we were in position to win both of them if we, you know, fixed a couple things here and there. But it was finally fun to watch the Browns play football again, and that hasn't happened in quite some time. Oh hell yeah, and and that was the thing. Like this game Thursday, everybody it felt like all week was just building this thing up to just ridiculous proportions. I'm, I'm seeing this is this is the biggest Browns game in the last ten years, and. Just all kinds of crazy hyperbole. It's like, okay, let's let's calm down. Let's tap the brakes a little bit. Um, because, you know, historically speaking, when you start putting expectations on the Cleveland Browns and you start getting your hopes up like that, it, it just does not work out well. And uh, how nice to finally have them come through and, and get it done in a pretty dramatic fashion. Um, I, I We got to start with Baker. Uh, you know, I, I, where, where do you, where do you even begin? I, I think uh, it was pretty clear through uh, the first half. Uh, Tyrod wasn't it, and uh, I, I <laughs> kind of makes you wonder, like how long the coaching staff was going to let things ride out before they would have had their hand forced to to make a move and, and had things not uh, played out to a situation where they, you know, kind of had the decision taken out of their hands and and had to go to Baker. Yeah, what do you think goes into – the first thing I noticed um, is that they – the the entire offense played differently. And I know that you, you'll call plays based on who the quarterback is, and that probably does influence a lot of how you call the game like from a coaching standpoint. But the offensive line played better. The wide receivers played better. Everybody else seemed to play better. 
I have a hard time understanding why an offensive line would would be impacted at all by who's playing quarterback. Um, I have they, a theory on that. Okay, I mean, there, let me hear it because I don't. I don't know what it could be. There are people who are much much better at breaking down the X's and O's than me, but uh, it felt like when you had Tyrod under center, the Jets had zero respect for the passing game and they wanted to just blitz the living daylights out of him and dare him to, to beat them. And he just really couldn't handle it. I mean, the, the, the knock we've seen on him, you know, it was what we had heard coming in. He doesn't turn it over because he holds on to it. And he, he waits to see guys open before he throws the ball. And he's extremely careful with things like that. And they basically, the Jets, uh, were like, we're just going to, you know, send rushers at you. And, you know, we're going to force you to, to get the ball out early. And it overwhelmed the line. I mean, you could see how many times just blitz pickups weren't happening um, and just more rushers than there were blockers. And, you know, Baker, uh, I think one of the most redeeming qualities of him, you know, from a skill set perspective is that, man, he just gets the ball out so much quicker. And, I mean, he, he is decisive with it. And you saw that immediately. It was, you know, drop back, set, boom. I mean, the ball is out. And I think that put the Jets' defense a lot more on its heels and and it changed the way that they were going to call the game on on that side of the ball. And it really opened things up uh, all over for the Browns. Um, The running game got uh, rejuvenated. I think Carlos Hyde ended up with pretty close to 100 yards. Um, And, you know, obviously you saw a hell of a Thursday. Yeah, <laughs> he had 98 yards, two touchdowns. It was his birthday, and he was having a kid. Yeah, yeah. So All I that it, jammed into one day. That's 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 quite a day he had. I was gonna say this. The story I always tell, and I've probably said it on here a couple of times, but um, my daughter was born uh, a couple hours before the Brandon Whedon backhanded flip pass, uh, almost five years ago, and uh, slightly more successful circumstances <laughs> for. Uh, Carlos Hyde Jr. to uh, be welcomed into the world. So yeah, no uh, shout well, out to the Hyde family. Good for them. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I, it was it was fun, and I will say, like as we've discussed on here previously, I wasn't I was in the Sam Darnold camp, and I'm not honestly. I don't think we can totally determine which one's which, and they might both end up being very good. Um, but as camp and everything went on, and we sort of heard what we did, and we saw the preseason and all that stuff. I expected him to come in and look like a guy who could play. Um, I didn't expect him to look nearly that good. He was really crisp, making a lot of amazing throws. Like that, you, quite frankly, he was making throws that we know Tyrod Taylor is incapable of making. And that's sort of the biggest question everybody's left with. Then is if Tyrod wasn't hurt, would we still have switched? I don't think so, personally. Um, so Baker Mayfield very well may have saved Hugh Jackson's job on Thursday. Um, and second, do we even need to debate going forward who the guy is? No, I don't no. think we do. Um, and people, a lot of people crushed Hugh for saying after the game, he's not going to announce who the starter is now, but did, I mean, come on, that, that was the right answer for, for a coach I'm, for, I'm for so all your flots you of up. Hugh Jackson. That's what you don't just throw a guy like out with the bathwater right after a game when he got hurt. He's got to talk to the guy that's you can lose guys in locker rooms pretty easily if you do handle those type of situations the wrong way and he handled it correctly, I think. 100%. There's all sorts of things that Hughes done over the past two and a half years uh, 
that you can fairly criticize him for. The fact that he did not immediately name Baker the starter in the post-game press conference on Thursday night after that game was over there, uh, that, that's not one of them. He, like you said, he handled that the right way. And if you were actually listening to the way he answered those questions and uh, then again on the conference call that he did with the reporters, I was listening, I think it was 92, had a lot of that conference call. They played it on the air yesterday afternoon. Um he he said it without actually saying it. I mean, it's it's Baker's job, and you know there's a right way and there's a wrong way to go about it. And say what you want about Tyrod, I don't think he's been as good as what we had hoped for. But uh, by all accounts, it seems like he's a guy that's pretty well liked in the locker room. He's a veteran. He's a team captain, and you know, like you said, that's just you don't just throw a guy like that. I mean, he's already you know you you don't go into a post game press conference and tell announce to the world that the guy's lost his starting job two and a half, you know, th- three weeks into the season uh, while he's still down the hall being treated for a concussion. You know, you got 10 days until the next game. There's no reason to to jump out and, and say that then and there. So, yeah, um, everybody who watched the game knows who the guy is. Like, we all know. Yeah, him. I mean, li- li- just go back and, like, reread his quotes or listen to his quotes. I mean, he's talking about, um, you know, how much better the quarterback play was as soon as Baker came in and he was just gushing over all of the stuff that Baker did in that game. And, you know, and he was saying like what they need out of that position. And it was like, you, you make like a, a list of all the things that he says they need out of quarterbacks and all the things that he said Baker did. And it's like, do the math folks. He's telling you without telling you. Okay. Look, look calm down. It's, it's happening. Um, ba- yeah, Baker will be starting against the Raiders. The he was also yeah. watching the game. He knows. He, he knows. He was. <laughs> He's, as much as you may not like him, he is. And that's the funniest thing that I always think of when following these things on Twitter. Just all these people forget. Like this guy knows has forgotten more about football than you'll ever know. Like as bad as you may think he is as a coach, he is worlds ahead of you <laughs> in terms of his understanding of the game. And and when I say you, I include myself in that, obviously. Um, and people think like he can't identify any of these, like who's good. And I do wonder a little bit what, who was really the the determining factor in who the starting quarterback is. Um, I think because of because of the success or or lack thereof that we've had with first round quarterbacks previously, I think they were maybe treating Baker with with a little more uh, more like kid gloves than maybe they needed to, out of just an overwhelming uh sense of like overprotection i think um and i don't know that that's necessarily bad it it, for this season it might cost you a couple games but overall that could be one of those if baker ends up being what he is next year um if what we saw is what he is right and he just continues to get better from there and he does that next year are we really mad that he sat him for a year i don't think so right so i don't know i wonder how much of it is him if it's if it's uh, maybe keep it coming from ownership or the GM. Well, a couple things on this. Number one, I think the fact that they traded a third rounder to get Tyrod, and even if it was only going to be for this year all along, I think they wanted to make sure he had a, a shot. I mean, that's a significant draft pick to give up for, for that player. And, uh, you know, the other thing, I feel like, you know, the Browns for years have been crushed for – you know, from ownership down of you know, making panic moves and uh, not really having a plan. 
and just kind of flying by the seat of their pants. And I just, I feel like there's certain things starting, you know, right up at the top of the food chain and, and working its way down that they've been hell bent on projecting this notion that we have a plan. This is what we're going to do and come hell or high water, we're going to stick with it. You know, I, I don't think, yeah, they were clearly taking the last couple of years, but even still, one in thirty-one is one in thirty-one. I don't think anybody would have criticized the Browns for firing Hugh Jackson after going one in thirty-one, including zero and sixteen last year. But they said, "Nope, we're yeah, we adjusted the front office, we got John Dorsey in." That was the other thing, you know. They they replaced the general manager, and they still are like, "No, we are. Th- this is our coach." Because you know, how many times have they gotten killed in the past for firing coaches so quickly? I mean, you think about like Rob Chudzinski had one year and he was gone, um, you know, among others. <clears throat> yeah, and, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's they stuck with the plan and maybe excessively so. Um, well, yeah, although we're only in the third game, so you can't you can't even really crush them that much for it. They tried, they had a plan, they tried it for two and a half games. Now their hand got forced a little bit. Who knows how long right. they would have written it out, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to know, and we'll never get a straight answer on this, but how long, what, what was, I, I do wonder, like, what the original plan was. Because, like, you know, like I was saying with, with Hugh, it was like, okay, we, we this is our guy. We're going to at least stick with him through this year. We're going to give him a chance with a better roster and, and two coordinators and, um, you know, the whole nine yards. And it was like they, they kind of had the similar approach with the quarterbacks. It was like, you know, our plan was we've got this veteran who's going to hold down the fort for this year and we're going to let this rookie come in and, you know, develop in practice and we're not going to force him out there too early. Like we've rushed some other quarterbacks out there and ruined them. And it's like, you know, this guy, hey, maybe this guy was ready to go. And nope, we're, we're going to be disciplined. We're going to stick to it. And then they got their hand forced. And, you know, who knows how long they were really willing to go and, and ride that out. Because I, I felt like over the first three weeks of the season, it became increasingly clear that Tyrod wasn't going to be able to to get it done. And there were deficiencies in his game. You know, for all the positive traits that he has, there, there were definitely some glaring holes um, and, and things, and it, was, it became pretty clear. It's like, wait, are, are we sure that Baker isn't, like, the best quarterback on the roster right now? You know, obviously he's got a higher ceiling, um, but having not played an NFL game in the regular season, I mean, he might even be better right now. And, it, geez, it certainly looked like that on uh, on Thursday night. Yeah, it's it's – it's kind of interesting because they were they're in one of those situations where if you don't win, no matter what decision you made is going to be the wrong one, right? So if they started Tyrod and they lose a couple games, they're going to say, "Oh, you got to play the first round guy. That's the first round guy. Blah blah blah. That's the guy you got to get out there." If Baker came out and wasn't ready, if the game was too fast for him and he wasn't able to adapt, and they look like shit and they end up losing those two games. Well, you got a you got a veteran on your bench who's played before. Why don't you put him? It, it, they're in that position where nothing they do is going to be right unless they win. Um, I think they made a good decision personally, and not only looking at wins when they decided to keep you Jackson and and sort of reset. I think they just sort of reset expectations. They're sort of giving most people a clean slate, um, at least with the coaching staff. And I, I don't know. I think that's the way to go because two years ago, Hugh Jackson was exactly who the Browns wanted. Right. Um, th- we were all stunned that they were able to get their first choice, right? So they have that guy. They haven't given him anywhere near a roster that's ready to compete. 
and they're okay, you know, giving him a little more leeway with this. I mean, this is the year, right? You, you can't go two and 14 this year. Right. Um, I don't know what that bar is, how many games we think he needs to win to keep his job, but they're not tanking. They may not, they're not going to, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to be, you know, 10 and six or something and win the division, but they need to be competitive and they need to win those games that over the last couple years they've lost, right? Those ones where they're within one possession and some terrible play at the end costs them or a bad interception, whatever the case is, they need to eliminate those and they need to start winning those games. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you're right. They're not going 10 and six, but I'll be happy to settle for nine, six and one. Okay. All Uh, right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. But no, I, you know, the thing I was going to say is I felt like the way this played out with in terms of when you pull the trigger on bringing Baker in, it, they, they kind of fell bass backwards into it. I mean, it worked out perfectly for pretty much everybody other Except than Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> other than Tyrod Taylor. I mean, Except I, for the guy that got I, concussed. I never want to see somebody get concussed, obviously, and that's horrible. Um, but for everybody else, I mean, the situation that Baker got brought into, I mean, you had an offense that was clearly struggling. You had a quarterback who started the game that was clearly struggling. You're already down 14 points. He hasn't taken any reps with the first, you know, the first team offense. Um, you know, as we said earlier, the offensive line looked completely overwhelmed. Tyrod was getting killed. Um, you know, you, you throw Baker out there. I mean, we were, you know, I was with some of our friends watching that game and we, you know, as we were watching that first half unfold, we we're saying like, man, do you go to Baker here? And I kept saying like, man, you don't want to do that. I mean, you're, you're throwing him to the wolves here. This is a, a horrible situation and yeah conventional you know, wisdom if, if, might have been to make a change but you also don't want that situation to be what you bring your the first right. like game minutes he gets are in that situation that's, that's the thing though it's like if you just make that switch based on performance you know at, at that point you know if, if it doesn't work out you're all of a sudden it's like you know this is this these guys don't have a plan they're panicking uh, and, and you get all of those discussions, but you know, in the situation, you know, as it played out, the hand was forced. I mean, they had, you know, the, the starter went down. So it's like now, Hey, if it works out with him with Baker, that's great. You know, you got your guy, he's ready to go. You, you move forward. And that's obviously what happened. But if, if he comes in there with everything else that's going on in that game up to that point, and it doesn't work out. Well, now you could say like, all right, look, all you idiots out here who were, you know, chant for Baker Mayfield and were demanding him to come in uh, and thinking that was just going to magically fix everything. Now you see you know, that that's going to quiet some of that down. And, uh, you know, it, it's not going to ruin him because it's like, well, he was thrust into a, an impossible situation. Um, so, you know, who could blame him? But, you know, goddamn, he, yeah, it, he was ready. It worked out. Yeah, it worked out per- perfectly for Hugh because if it didn't work. He he had a built-in excuse, right? Right. And I, I don't I don't buy for a second that that those guys didn't want to see Baker on the field. Um, it, it was just that they wanted to make sure it, he was ready, he was in the right situation for it, and that they weren't just feeding him to the wolves. Uh, I think it was a good. Uh, obviously, it worked well, right? It, it we got the result they wanted, but I think it was the way that they got to insert him into the game was probably better than you can expect and obviously you don't want to hold like you said you don't want guys to be hurt to give other guys opportunities that's never what you want but for everyone involved with the exception of Tyrod it's 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 as good a situation as you can be because you're not going to be judged too harshly no matter what but you can be wildly rewarded like they obviously are be uh, are being 
Uh, one thing I'll say about Tyrod, though, over the first couple games, like you said, there were definite limitations that we saw. But I also thought, when particularly last week against New Orleans, they didn't open up the playbook much at all. And we blamed the weather and all that stuff, and there's probably some validity to it against Pittsburgh. But, um, but last week, they didn't open up the playbook, barely any. But when they did, it seemed like he made a couple plays. Like when they let him throw it a little bit he obviously doesn't have a great arm but there was a couple plays in that game where I was like why aren't we doing that more often so I I still question that overall I know that yeah I know he doesn't have the strongest arm and he's not the the best quarterback in the world and he has his like you said physical limitations I do wonder a little bit if maybe the coaches were being a little too conservative with him um fair or unfair I don't know but I I have a theory all right. I love your theories. Give it to me. I, this is half serious, half joking, but I did notice in the second half on Thursday night, as the, the Browns were making their comeback, there was a shot of Todd Haley on the sidelines. And as everybody else was super excited and all fired up about what was unfolding, he did not look particularly thrilled. And I almost wondered if, as he was watching Baker light it up, if he was thinking like, God damn it, you were supposed to wait until after Hugh got fired and I got to take over the team before you came in here and started doing this. We had a deal. I was going to sandbag this thing son for the first eight son, weeks. You son of a bitch. <laughs> you're, you're ahead of, you just saved the wrong guy's job. Um, all right, I'll say this. If Todd Haley's plan was to get Hugh fired, um, Hit, the way he was interviewing to take over the job was not well done. Because <laughs> through the first two weeks, when you came into the season, I was 100% confident that Hugh Jackson, or not Hugh Jackson, excuse me, that Greg Williams was garbage and Todd Haley was a decent offensive coordinator. Through two games, my mindset was completely flipped. And I thought Todd Haley was absolute trash. So if he thought he was just going to slide in and take that head coaching job, he was going about it the wrong way because he didn't look anywhere near competent either. Uh, that's a great point. Um, I, and I agree with you about Greg Williams. I didn't really think a whole lot of him before I love what we're getting out of the defense. Denzel Ward, we crushed. Hey. I don't know if I crushed that pick, but I think 95% of people were thrilled to see Bradley Chubb fall to us at four and disappointed to see them take uh, a slightly undersized corner. Um, well, all I'm going to say is I am, I'm just shocked that a defensive back from Ohio State has come into the NFL and been immediately useful. That, yeah, that boy. <laughs> yeah, Ohio State Ohio State made a good pro. Uh, get out of town. I, I am just floored that that happened. That, boy, that, you never see that. Right. Um, I, I, I had three other thoughts uh, from the game on Thursday. Uh, number one, the, the two-point play. Uh, kind of a variation of the Philly special that everybody went nuts for. Um, I thought it was I don't know perfect. if it was a variation. It looked like the exact same play to me. Oh, I always assume there's some sort of intricacies with some the blocking scheme or something that was right, different. Right. So I, I always got to cover my ass with that. But uh, I, I thought it was perfect. You know, the Eagles used it in their Super Bowl uh, to win, and uh, the Browns used it in theirs. So uh, shout out to the Browns for breaking that out in the big game. Um, second thought that I had, uh, I – I thought it was nice in the grand tradition of Cleveland sports teams. We now have a go-to alternate jersey uh, for the Browns, um, just like uh, the Indians and the Cavs. Every time they play a big game, they've always got an alternate uniform they break out. So apparently the Browns have one now. I thought it, the color rush looked good. I thought it was amazing. I, you'd know the rules better than I can. How often can they wear that? 
they're wearing it at least one more time this year. There's there's a limit. I want to say it's either two or three games. But uh, and, and the other thing with that is you have to declare uh, what you're wearing, what jersey you're wearing for every game before the entire season starts. Like there's somebody who's got a, a uh, big spreadsheet or something. So they can't that, decide now that they're going to wear that for for other games. Right, right. I and, and I don't know like why the NFL has just some seriously arcane rules. I mean, you see NBA teams changing their uniforms every year, every other year, and you know baseball is pretty flexible like that as well. The NFL, you you've got once you change your main home and away uniforms, you've got to wear those for five years, um, and, and the process to get it replaced is like a two year process. So whatever new design they come up with for 2020 and mark my words, they're going to have new uniforms in 2020. Uh, those will be in the can and done. I'm pretty sure. Um, even if they don't get made public uh, before next season even starts. Um, so in, in the color rush, you know, the other thing with that is, yeah, like, I, you know, I was just saying, you've, you've got to declare what you're wearing. I think there's like flexibility with the pants, but um, the, the actual jerseys that you're wearing, you've got to declare before the season, you know, we're wearing brown for this game. We're wearing orange for this one. Uh, you know, we're going color rush for these games and they're, they're, they've opened it up a little bit, but yeah, they've, uh, they, they, have we seen, do do they have a white version of the color rush or do they only have the brown? No, because I know that those guys, what those guys introduced, what, two seasons ago, right? And this is the first time they've actually worn them. This is year three of the color rush program. The first year when they could have worn them, they had a Thursday night game at Baltimore and they decided that the brown all brown uniforms and Baltimore's all purple uh, didn't clash close, enough right? on TV. Yeah. So they made the Browns just wear their all white and then like all white socks instead of like half brown. Um, so that's basically like what the white color rush is. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there's that. And I think they can wear the brown color rush. Now, last year, you know, this used to be a Thursday night only thing. Like color rush was supposed to be a, a Thursday night thing to help make those games kind of stand out a bit more. Last year, they didn't even have a Thursday game Their Their one NFL network game was the London one on Sunday morning. So they didn't wear it for that, obviously. So yeah, that was why this year, finally a third year of these, they were able to break them out for a Thursday night game. I think I saw something that like their next home game against Baltimore, they might be wearing them, but I, I don't know. Yeah. That I heard sure. that too. I heard that and one other one, I think I don't remember which one, but yeah. Yeah. I hope uh, so. I, I, I like those. They're, they're, they're sharp and uh, you know, like the Cavs, you know, for years in the first LeBron era, and they, they always had the Navy. And then, you know, in the last few years, it's been the black jerseys for the big games and the Indians. You think about every big playoff game, what are the Indians were? They were the Navy. So, uh, you know, shout out to the Browns. Finally got uh, their, their their point in the uh, Cleveland. You know, you've arrived as a Cleveland sports team when you've got a uniform you don't normally wear that you can break out for big games. Yeah, no kidding. And I, th- I don't know. Truthfully, if they made this in two years, if they just made this one their permanent jersey, would people complain? No. I mean, they might. Between now and then, people could change their minds. But I think if they said, hey, this is going to be our permanent jersey, we're going to keep this one for at least five years, um, no one would have a problem with that at all. Um, I think Nike might because they sold out of them and haven't <laughs> indicated that they had. I saw. I think it was either Nike or NFL Shop. I'm not sure which one. Um, but they were like, yeah, we're sold out of all the color rush stuff and we don't have any immediate plans to restock it. Um, yeah, clearly you under un, yeah clearly you underrated uh, Browns fans' willingness to spend money. Have you not seen the T-shirt economy in Northeast Ohio? <laughs> yeah, they love being suckers of the moment and spending their money. 
variations of the uh, the rally possum or the victory possum. How many different? I think I saw about six different shirts. About on six too many. Friday morning. Yeah, like, that, that that took no time. That train was not late. Yeah, but yeah, the Baker color rush jerseys sold out within an hour after the game was over on Thursday. Um, I I did not know they were not planning on restocking those. That's a huge mistake. In I don't a know lot if they weren't. I don't know if they weren't planning on it. They just said they didn't have any immediate plans. Well, those, unless those you hate making money, I, I yeah. don't know why you would do that. Yeah, exactly. But uh, also the, three. the hat that Baker was wearing after the game was. Uh, I found a link for it when my buddy was like, I really want like that hat. I found the link for it. It was sold out like 20 minutes after. Well, I mean, that kind of all goes to my third point, and and it's this. you know, for The NFL still has a lot of things wrong with it. I'm not suddenly saying that, oh, the NFL is this great league. I, I still have a number of issues with the NFL. That said, it is amazing, and I, and I forgot this, but it's amazing how intoxicating – the NFL's product is when you have a team that actually wins games. Like just the bounce I had in my step on Friday morning after coming off that game. And I know obviously it was a little bit more special because of the circumstances and 635 days without a win. And, uh, um, you know, you know, Baker coming in, we had a, you know, a, a number one overall draft pick coming in to save the day. And he looks like he's going to be the, the guy. And that's awesome. And, you know, they're not all going to be like that, but like, goddamn. How much more exciting was that than what we're used to uh, over the past couple of years, right? Oh yeah, and <laughs> you know, you know where I stand. I'm not. I'm college football guy. I will. I will tell everyone till I can't talk anymore that college football is better than the NFL. But the and this could just be because we haven't had a good team for so long. I don't know. Um, but that. As a whole, the experience I had on Thursday is about as good as any regular season game can be, especially considering how bad the team has been. Like, you don't, in college, in general, if your team's bad, you just don't really get that into it. Obviously, I follow Ohio State. They're always good. That's obviously slants them a little bit for me as well. But if you feel like your team is competitive in the NFL, it makes watching the games an incredible experience if you let it. Um there's never like there's very rarely blowouts in either direction. Um, the TV product, there's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad. I don't know. I think there's there's some things they could do better. There, it, it almost feels like they're over producing sometimes. But in general, the TV product's incredible. Um, the flags, that's one thing that we saw a ton of the first two games, and I thought that sort of disappeared on Thursday. Um, I don't know if it's Jerome Boger and his different. crew let him play. Yeah, exactly. And that that was probably my biggest complaint with the NFL through the first couple of weeks. And that's it's sort of across the board, not just with the Browns, was they were I mean, no one knows what's a penalty. Like it's worse than it's ever been. And we've said that for a while. Like no one knows what's a catch, no one knows what's this. But we're at a point where like everyone is watching certain plays and, and agreeing unanimously that that's not a flag and they throw one anyways. And then the NFL comes out afterwards and says, Oh no. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, okay. Whatever. Like I said, the NFL still has some problems. It's, yeah. it's, it's not all perfect. But... Yeah. But when, when a game like, and the jets aren't even that good of a team, but two teams that are, are kind of widely viewed as not very good. Neither one. I don't think either one of them looked bad. I don't think they looked like incompetent teams, right? A lot of times you can tell when it's two bad teams and one of them just wins. I don't think that was the case. 
And yeah, those are just two by the end of that game. The they were, yeah, they were, the team, they were a little gas. They were a little spent. They was playing their third game in ten. But, uh, yeah, that was probably a little unfair for them as well. But fuck them, not my problem. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, all right. So we get uh, we got a week off here until uh, next Sunday at Oakland. Yeah, but, it, uh, are, am I alone, or are you kind of like? Well, I'm all excited to see him play again, and they're not even playing on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's I'm, the I'm one. That's with... the one negative to having that primetime game on Thursday. Right. Yeah. It, uh, I'm 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 ready to go, and it's going to be a long wait now. Uh, although I think the flip side of that is it was probably good to just get back out there and get another game right away after how the game last Sunday against New Orleans ended because that was pretty freaking brutal. So as soon as you could wash that out of your mouth, that's uh, that's probably a good thing. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Um, Buckeyes looked good. Yeah. I don't know how much we want to talk Buckeyes, but they had a hell of a game last Saturday that I watched from a cell phone. You watched from a cell phone? Yeah, I was at a wedding. Oh. Oh, yeah. no fall weddings. Yeah, no one listens, man. No one listens. <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was a nice performance. They got a good test. TCU's a good team. And uh, Ohio State. But they they love playing in Jerry World, don't they? Was that like three and zero now? Yeah, they sure do. Um, yeah, hell of a game. Bosa's out, got surgery. We'll see. He's not playing today. Obviously, I don't know that that's going to matter. Um, big game next week against Penn State, though. That's right. And they return of got Urban their act today together too. last night. Were they uh, at uh, Penn State? Was what Illinois? The yeah, they was... were. They were bringing the Illinois. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't finish. I didn't watch the whole game, but I saw twenty one seventeen at halftime, and I was exhausted. Um, this week just was a little more chaotic than normal, uh, um, and so I just went to bed early last night. I was like, "To hell with it! I don't, I don't feel like sitting up watching football right now." So I went to bed kind of early. I saw that they were struggling, though. Did they end up pulling away. I, I haven't even looked yet today. I think so. I... I'm pulling up now to see, but um, yeah, it's a dog shit slate this week too in college i think game days at like i think it's at oregon who's playing i can't remember stanford oregon playing stanford that's the best game they could find this week i don't know that anybody expects much out of those two um oh, oh yeah penn state final score oh, yeah, 63 okay. to 24 so. they put up 35 in the fourth quarter okay so that's Ooh. that's pulling away i guess mcsorley had 160 yards passing so he didn't really do a whole lot oh. um eh, whatever who cares um yeah so college has been solid so far um be interesting to see what they do this uh next week against penn state i think it's gonna be the first uh the next big test for them they just got a couple games on the calendar it's the big 10 got kicked in the teeth last weekend it was not great not Ohio good State saved that week from being bailed them out big time yeah so yeah. it's weird i i don't know i was in the mindset that i thought i thought the Big Ten was pretty damn good this year, and I will readily admit I was wrong. They they're not good, which is kind of a bummer. But what are you gonna do? Well, I will I will go back to what I said. I think when we talked to Ohio State about what was that about a month ago now that uh, I, I'm looking for some sort of a new team to to crop up into the playoff picture, and boy, so far, man, I don't know. I guess LSU is kind of hanging around on the periphery there. But otherwise, it's Alabama, it's Georgia, it's Clemson, it's Ohio State. 
all the familiar faces. And, well, I guess Oklahoma's in there as well. So. Yeah, who would have figured an SEC team would need to get uh, a Big Ten team's third-string quarterback to be competitive? <laughs> Joe Burrow, baby! The pride of the Plains, Athens, Ohio. That's right. He's uh no, that's that's one of those like kind of cool stories. Like everybody from like all his teammates last week were like rooting for LSU. Uh, the Ohio State guys were all like rooting for LSU. Ohio State fans are like all super supportive of him. It's it's kind of weird because usually when guys leave, people just stop caring. But he's one of those guys. Everyone's like, yeah, you could have been really good here too. There's just one guy that's a little bit better. So it was bad timing, and hopefully he goes and lights it on fire and just doesn't beat us in the playoffs or something. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that's worked out for everybody involved. I think probably there was some added interest just because he grew up 90 minutes southeast of yeah. Columbus. So that was definitely part of it. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that Dwayne Haskins has looked so good to start the season, I, I think that obviously – Calms people's nerves to be like, oh, geez, you don't want to see the 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 kid that grew up just uh, down the road from Ohio State's campus, uh, you know, light it up a, while you're a while the guy you took instead. All of a sudden, going down and playing for another school and lighting it up while you're struggling back here. So it's like Ohio State gets to enjoy seeing Dwayne Haskins playing well, and you know, Joe Burrow can go do his thing somewhere else, and everybody wins. It works so, for everybody for sure. Yeah, there you go. Well, I'll tell you what works for us is if you are listening to our podcast on the podcast app uh, on your iPhone, uh, scroll down on the page that's got all our episodes and hit us with the five-star rating. Uh, we uh, we put out a call uh, asking people to, to rate us on uh, the Apple Podcast app last week and got a really nice response. So if you've already done that, thank you very much. Uh, it helps us out big time. And uh, if you haven't done that yet, uh, while you're listening here, take the five seconds, scroll down, hit us with that five star. Um, make sure you're subscribed. We are uh, obviously on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn. You could stream us on uh, waitingfornextyear.com as well. And uh, Trav, what else? Any, anything else we need to uh, get off if our you, plate here before? You- if you don't like us, if you listen but you don't like us, probably me specifically – feel free to like email us you can tweet at me and argue with me if you'd like uh i if you know me on twitter you know i'm happy to argue with you um but don't take that if you don't like it don't review us only do it if you like us because that's how reviews work i think on the internet very much so that's uh my years of using yelp when i'm on the road i'm I'm pretty sure those are the rules exactly so All right. Well, good stuff, man. I think uh, it's a good place for us to close up shop. Yeah, good. good. Nice little Saturday morning edition. I like it. Not bad. Not bad at all. So, uh, all right. We'll uh, we'll be back next week. And uh, in the meantime, for Travis Shuley, I'm Tom Valentino. It's been The Nail in the Coffin. And we'll talk to you again soon. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.